Welcome to So Now You're Dying, What Are You Doing to Live? My guest this week is Kelly Jo Song. Uh, it's interesting because she's living with actually lupus, and for some it's a terminal illness, and for others it's chronic. We chatted about not letting illness control your life, preparing your kids, and learning to take care of yourself first and focusing on the things that matter. So my guest today is Kelly Jo Song, and she is in Pennsylvania. And Kelly Jo, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you calling me on this show. Oh, I'm excited to have you here. So why don't we just start off? Uh, you can tell everyone who you are, um, what you got going on in your life, where you're calling from. You're my first American guest, which is very exciting. <laughs> I'm located, oh, I'm honored. <laughs> uh, I'm located in Canada, so it was nice to uh, connect over the web. And just tell them what you were diagnosed with, what your prognosis is, and stuff like that. Sure. So my name is Kelly Jo Song. And I own a company called Benefit Up US Corps, and we offer events uh, for vendors uh, to come and participate in. And it's for a cause for our Pay It Forward projects. We help terminally ill children, our sponsor child. Uh, we help veterans who are, it's operation vets, so veterans that are in need, homeless, and things like that. And then also for our members, Hub Love. Uh, basically, uh, I started this uh, business out of necessity because I was diagnosed with a illness called lupus SLE. And um, I was told that, you know, people can live long lives with lupus, but it's not a disease that can be cured. So inevitably, you will die from the disease. You just don't know when. And my thoughts on that is I've always, they give me the prognosis that basically um, because of the medication, like I can't absorb certain medications um, that they put me on that, you know, time is not on my side, but I have, um, I have faith that it is on my side. So I don't let anybody tell me like, what's going to happen to me and if I'm going to die or something like that. No, I don't let anybody do that. <laughs> but the reason why um, lupus can be considered a terminal illness is because um, with lupus, my type, it affects your organs and your body. So it's essentially your own body's working against you. And um, it affects every organ of your, it can affect every organ of your body. So um, with that being said, I dive into my work. That's just how I, how I cope. That's my coping mechanism. And then I also, uh, four years ago when all this happened, when I was diagnosed, I also set up a Facebook group for terminally ill, um, people who want to get, it's kind of like a support group who want to get support from each other because there's a lot of people that don't understand we may look healthy on the outside, but the inside, our bodies are a total wreck. I mean, it's like you don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next if you're going to be in the hospital. And I just actually got out of the hospital a few days ago from kidney stones. And um, now they're telling me that my kidney function is down. So and that doesn't help, especially when you have lupus, because, you know, again, that's still working on you. The lupus actually they <laughs> This sort of lupus that I have seems to want to attack two things, my kidneys and my lungs. So at times I can wake up and I can't breathe. 
Um, I had my lungs collapse on me before I had to be put on oxygen, had to be sent home with oxygen for three months and then to go back and forth to see a, a pulmonary doctor. So it's been something else. It's been quite a uh, trip with the four years that I've been diagnosed with this. Living with it. Yeah. And you know what? You almost answered my next question because I was going to ask you how uh, being diagnosed has changed your outlook on living. And you just starting all these incredible groups to help people with terminal illness and veterans and all that. It seems like you really embraced that part of it. Yeah. I mean, I don't let it affect me. Here's the one thing I have found out in life is life is what you make of it. And if you're going to sit there and I don't embrace the disease, that's the thing. I don't embrace the disease because if you embrace and focus on the disease, then you're essentially focusing on your prognosis, which is ultimately death. And I don't focus on death. I want to focus on living because living is what it's all about. That's what we're all here for. Right. So I I focus on the living aspect of it, like, and how, and preparing people in the meantime, like, yes, I have this disease, but, and I have to prepare my family, you know, and possibly my friends. And, but at the same time, I'm not going to let it control my life. Just not going to do that. I love that. (laughs) Okay. So is there anything um, as a person dealing with this disease, this illness that you hate to be asked? Mm, Why don't you look sick? That is just like, (laughs) like that goes right through me because it's, it's like one of those silent illnesses. Like it's actually, you don't look sick on the outside. Cause I can cover up my rash. Like I have makeup on right now. You wouldn't even know that I have the lupus rash and I can cover all that up. But what they don't realize is, yeah, it does affect me. Cause in some instances it does come out physically on my skin and I have to sit there and do things to like cover it up. But because I don't look sick, that's just a stupid question. I, I just, I love it. Like, <laughs> why don't you look sick? Like who <laughs> asked that anyways? And like, I've, I actually had people say, well, you don't look sick. So what? You don't look sick. So therefore I'm not sick. Yeah. I, I don't understand that what they're trying to say there. So is there anything um, in terms of, you know, your life maybe being cut short um, or dealing with this? Or is there anything that worries you the most? I think what worries me the most, and I'll be honest with you, I think my older two kids can cope. But my youngest daughter, she's 22 years old and she has, she is the one of the closest to me. And she just, she's still a mommy's baby. Like, um, she often said to me, mom, I don't know what I'm going to do if something ever happens to you. And I just say, keep living because, uh, you know, that's what I like about life. I like life in general. So if you just keep living, you'll be doing me a favor because then I know that you're okay. But, and I'm looking down on you. I always told her, you know, you're going to have a guardian angel by your side. I'm going to look down on you and I'm going to help you through things. Even though you, even though you can't see me, you may not even be able to feel me, but you will know that I'm there. I will give you a hint as to I'm there. You'll know that. (laughs) I love it. But that just scares me the most. My youngest one, because some of the things that she has said to me during private, it just makes me think. And, and I also told my older sisters, her older sisters, too, 
like just check in on her. If something ever happens to me, make sure that your sister is checking. She's checked in on a lot because she's not, um, every time this, the conversation comes up, she wants to avoid that conversation altogether. Yeah. And kids, you know what? Kids don't leave. They just come back with more people nowadays. Like I find (laughs) they're just staying home longer and longer and Mm -hmm. uh, they really need, you know, they're growing up differently. They need different support. Um, so it's amazing you're preparing her and them for that. Um, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard lesson, which is why we're doing this. So, okay. (laughs) What do you, um, because really, uh, one of the questions was going to be, what's going to be the most difficult thing about leaving your loved ones? Um, well, the different, most difficult things about living, leaving my loved ones is I'm not going to be here to see all of what happens with them. Like, you know, I'm hoping I live that life that they say I can live with lupus. Like people sometimes live 30 years with lupus and then they lose their fight. Sometimes people live only 10 years with lupus. I'm at the four year mark, but they think I'm actually in an advanced stage of lupus right now. So just because it was caught four years ago, doesn't mean I wasn't actually, I didn't actually have lupus, but uh, again, I think what it is is that uh, I'm going to miss the things that matter the most. Like if something happens, then in my daughter, my youngest daughter has a grandchild. I will never know the grandchild that's just one of the things you know like yeah, of course um but i mean if i if i'm not here and i never know then i guess it doesn't it's a mute point yeah. but still i mean right now i'm here so i'm thinking like oh well okay <laughs> i miss you, that as someone with um a terminal illness do you have an end of life plan do you have a way like do you want to be at home in the hospital is there is there I would like to be at home. I I really like, I haven't put together a plan yet because I haven't gotten that far, but um, if I'm going to, if I'm going to die, I want to die at home. I don't want to die in a hospital with machines and stuff like that. And I definitely told my kids and my youngest one, again, she's not on board with this, but if they have to put me on life support, I do not want to be on life support. I want, if I, there is no opportunity or a chance of me coming back, I just want to go because I think it's cruel to keep somebody on life support. And because that person is still suffering, you may not see that they're suffering, but they still are suffering. And I think it's cruel. And I myself don't want to suffer if I'm on the life support because I couldn't tell anybody that I'm suffering. You know, they're just keeping me. They're essentially keeping you alive with machines. Yeah. What do you believe the afterlife is? I believe I'm going to be in a mansion in heaven. I'm, <laughs> I'm a Christian and I, I, okay, this is how I envision my mansion in heaven. It's pink. It has all this glitter and, um, you know, I have my diamonds around the mansion and all that. So yeah, that's my, <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's amazing. How old are you? Do you mind me asking? No, I'm 48. Oh, 48 you years young. Baby. <laughs> Baby. Um, and how old is your oldest daughter? You have three She's daughters? 22. My oldest is, um, I'm sorry, my oldest. My oldest daughter is 29. And my middle child is 26. And my youngest is 22. Oh, so we're almost the same because I have a 22-year-old, 
almost 27 year old and a 28 year old. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Look at us go. And I have grandchildren too. So wow. That's fun. That's a lot of fun. Babies are always the best. It is. (laughs) What's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you? The funniest thing that's ever happened to me. Uh, like lately, like in my whole entire life or whatever story you want to tell. Um, okay. Okay. This is back in high school. Now I had to, uh, do a presentation, a public speaking presentation. And I went up to give this presentation and I got all nervous and started jumbling my words. Like it, it literally didn't make any sense coming out of me. And I have a lisp. So people, I, you know, people picked on me for the lisp and I literally like got really mad and I said, okay, I'm going to stop talking now. And I just left the stage. <laughs> like what? What just happened there? (laughs) And that's when my public uh, speaking teacher pulled me aside and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. He said, you want to make some extra credit in the class? I said, sure. He says, well, um, here's what I want you to do. I want you to sign up for the uh, TV, the announcement, the morning announcements in the morning. And I want you to do the morning announcements for everyone in the school. And I looked at him and I said, if I just got done going up here in front of everyone and making a fool out of myself, what makes you think I'm going to make a fool out of myself in front of the whole school on TV? And he says, I have faith in you. You can do it. But it'll also give you some extra credit and points. And you're going to need that for to pass my class. And so I ended up becoming the morning announcement girl. And that's how they knew me in high school. (laughs) I love it. Feel the fear and do it anyway, right? Well, it was crazy because the first day, uh, you know, because you're like, there's nothing, there's like a screen behind you and you got the camera pointed on you. And the first day I'm like, you can't see anybody, but all eyes are on you, obviously. And you know that. So it's a different kind of afraid. Like you can't see them, but they can see you. But for some reason, I just started reading from the script. And as long as I was reading from the script, I was fine. The minute I deviated away from the script, I was not fine. So I I learned early on, just read from the script, Kelly. (laughs) Amazing. But you built up confidence. That is how my confidence, that's how I came out of my shell, actually. Like, um, I, I, I say to everyone, the public speaking teacher, if he hadn't given me that, uh, the honor of doing the morning announcements, I would have never became the social butterfly that I am today. I love and that. I would have never been able to do these live events on, on Facebook and put myself out there. But because of him, I'm able to do that. So, and because of him, I'm able to do this podcast. <laughs> I love it. Because one of the questions I want to ask you is who inspires you? And who has inspired you? Well, my public speaking teacher does inspire. Oh my gosh. See, I can't even (laughs) talk. He does inspire me, but I will tell you, um, the person that inspires me the most is my husband, Mm -hmm. um, Nick Song. He, who, when I got with him, like he was the most popular guy in school. 
And I did not, when I was in school, I wouldn't even talk to him because I thought he was a chick magnet. So I just stayed away from him. And you have to understand that I was not popular, except for the fact that I did morning announcements and the school newspaper, the Leonid. But um, I never thought in a million years that I'd be with the most popular guy in high school. I mean, he was the all-star track team and wrestling and yeah. Anyways, he was all that. So when uh, we met up about eight years ago, he was, he's a promoter. He was a promoter then. And um, I was actually a booking agent. I was booking bands and stuff like that. So I came out and I started talking to him and one thing led to another. And I said, Hey, I'm getting an operation. I really don't have anybody to help me. And he's like, Oh, I'll help you. And I said, well, it's like 10 weeks. I don't think you want to be with me for 10 weeks. And he says, oh, no, I'll help you. So um, he came over to my house and he didn't leave yet. (laughs) (laughs) We've been together ever since, basically. Longest first date ever. (laughs) And do you know what inspires me the most about him is he has this outlook. He says, always know what somebody else doesn't know and always do what somebody else doesn't hasn't done. So basically I put those two principles into my business and he's right. My business exploded and he has this positive mentality that no matter what's going on in his life, he still keeps a smile on his face. And that inspires me because this past year, his mother-in-law had a stroke on father's day. He's been taking care of her ever since. And he does it with pleasure and with honor and with a smile on his face every day. So he is my inspiration. He's who I I actually want to be like, you know, they always say, what do you want to be like when you grow? Who do you want to be like when you grow up? Yes. (laughs) I want to be like my husband. (laughs) I love it. What? So is that the best advice you've ever received? Sounds like it. Um, Yeah. Well, Okay, so there is another, and you know, it's kind of funny. I forgot about it because my daughter talked to me. What was it? We were talking about things and I had it written down and everything. And that's why I wasn't able to find it. But she did give me some advice and um, I went with it. You know, she just told me never to let people get you down and always take care of you. So my own daughter, she's my oldest daughter, but she has a lot of wisdom in her young age. She has a lot of wisdom. And she says you, and you know, Nick said the same thing. You are first because, you know, no one else is going to take care of you. Like you take care of you basically. Like they both gave me good advice. So. (laughs) Aw, wise family. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. What's the best advice you have for us? Don't let life get you down because in life, you know, things are going to go wrong and life again is, you know, it's just a thing where I'm trying to put it into words because it's all jumbled up. That's my conversion disorder, but (laughs) we won't go there. So in life, you know, things get hard and all we can do is, um, you know, go at it from an I can point of view, like you can do whatever you put your mind to, um, no matter what, how hard it gets, just know that there, you know, the sun rises in the morning, 
So, you know, when you go to sleep at night, try to just sleep. Don't harbor any of those things that are going on from the day. Let them go and pray about it if you have to, but let it go. And then when you get up in the morning, it's another day. You know, you just can't continue to harbor all that inside of you because you you know, years down the road, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter when you're on your deathbed. None of this will matter. The only thing that's going to matter to you is the people in your life. That's the only thing that's going to matter when you're on your deathbed is the people that you share life with. So those other things that come along, I wouldn't let it bother you. I mean, yeah, address the issue, but don't let it bother you. Don't let it, don't keep stewing on it. Yeah. You know, do the best you can, but don't keep stewing on it because life is short and we need to make the most of every moment that we have with those that we love. That's amazing. And it's so (laughs) true. So true. What are you most proud of? I'm really proud of Benefit Hub and the people that are running Benefit Hub, which is my, which is my, um, you know, my company. But even more so, I'm proud of my kids because I have two of my kids that stepped up um, to the challenge. It was Madison Hartwell. She's my middle child. And Chelsea Downey, she's my oldest. And they both um, are working for Benefit Hub. They both are helping the calls. And I'm hoping that Christina will come alongside of me <laughs> at some point. But I'm proud of her, too, because she's doing a wonderful job. She's going through a lot. And she's now um, she has her own office. She's a um, salesperson for a car lot um, for one of Bobby Ray Hall Toyota or something like that. And she does really well. So I'm proud of all my kids for what they're doing. And also for their support of the Benefit Hub, all of them. It's such a great cause. And I'll, I'll uh, make sure we put that on the, uh, like just underneath the podcast. Yeah. So everyone knows where to find it for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, we yeah. have a website. So um, just go to the website. There is, um, you know, there's donate buttons on there and that money goes directly to those kids. Um, so you can donate on there. If you want to donate to another project like Operation Vets, you could do that as well. But um, it all goes to them. So amazing. What do you want to? Okay, last question. So fast, huh? I know, right? Oh ah, you just talk forever. Uh, what do you want to be most remembered for? My passion. My passion and love for others and for my family and for what I've done like Benefit Hub, because um, they are my passion. Like my my family, obviously, God, my family, and then my my work. Um, and that's how it is in, the, in that order. <laughs> so yeah. I want to be remembered for my passion. And I want everyone to be able to work on what makes them passionate, like, and do what they want, do what they know they can do. Because if you have passion, you can do anything. Yeah, I agree. So, I agree. And what does the rest of your day look like? Are you watching the Super Bowl? Oh, no, no, no. My team's <laughs> not <really> playing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an Eagles fan and my team's not playing. And yes, I know Eagles. A lot of people are like, Eagles fan. Wow. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. My I, whole family is an Eagles fan. <laughs> are they? I love it. And you're moving. Yeah, my brother, Kurt. 
my brother Curdy's going to kill me when I say this, but he's in front of the TV. Boy, if they don't make that touchdown, you could hear him outside. <laughs> I love it. Is there anything you want to add? Anything at all? Oh, well, you know, I think that, you know, people, people know that the most important thing in life is life itself. So don't focus on the negativity. Don't focus on if you're, if you're in my shoes and you have a terminal illness, try not to focus on that illness. Try to focus on things that actually matter. Um, yes, obviously you have to go to the doctors and you have to do this and you have to do that. But, you know, if you focus on living, you're going to live a whole lot longer. If you focus on death, it's going to be right at your doorstep. So that's what I would say. Just focus on living and love life, you know, and love people around you. And especially in this pandemic and everything and everything that's going on, we all had a hard year. If we would all just be unified and come together as one, that would be such a beautiful thing because love can conquer all. It really can. It's not just words. It can conquer all. We can love each other and love one another for who we all are, we can accept each other for who we are. So I would just encourage everyone to love life and love the people around them. What a great way to end it. Kelly, song. you're amazing. I really thank you so much for being on the podcast. So grateful to have you on as a guest. Um, I will let you know when it's out. I will, uh, and I'll let you know, I'll probably send it to you beforehand. Or I will, so you can hear your beautiful story. I love it. Well, I'm Uh, honored. (laughs) Oh, no. And so much love to you and your family. Thank you, Kate. For allowing me this time, because all we really have to give each other is our time. Exactly. And Kate, you are a wonderful person for doing this. And I just encourage you to keep doing this with your podcast. Oh, thank you. And if you hear of anyone you'd like to be on it, like, honestly, let me know or just give them my info and I can send them everything to see if they're comfortable with it. I certainly will. And, you know, if you ever want me on again, just let I me know. I love it. Yes, I <laughs> hope to have you on again. That would be amazing. One year <laughs> well, checkup. All good. All right. I'll let you know. Thanks so Take much. Take care. God Bye. bless. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to So Now You're Dying, What Are You Doing to Live? If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast or need to be or know anyone who would like to be, please get in touch at so now you're dying at gmail.com. Thanks a lot.